Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Open Bar Experience. I am your host, David Dacry. I'm a hospitality professional with two decades of experience in the bar and restaurant industry. My pursuit in this podcast is to have difficult conversations of our industry and of society as a whole. It has been a while since I put out an episode, and in the last seven months or so, there has been a lot that has happened. I mean, shit, there's a lot that happens every single week because we are connected constantly, and we are living in the information age, which means you can't get away from everything all the time. There's a few things that I want to cover today, a few uh, topics that I want to just hone in a bit on and give a little bit of context from my point of view. One of them is the way that uh, celebrities like like to uh, want to get away with uh, stupid speech. Um, Also going to talk about Hispanic Heritage uh, Month. Um, And then we're going to get into some hospitality news, um, in particular that of the labor force, right? Um, so let's get to it. Let's talk about celebrities, specifically comedians and their desire to be controversial in ways that are extremely offensive to some people. Um, I'm not going to get into what the controversies are or what is offending people because some of it is not in my wheelhouse. It's not things that I know very much about and and not going to comment on. But really what I'm focusing on is in how the way these comedians are or do uh, skirt or go to the edges of these issues uh, uh, is, is damaging, right? Because... They're sort of doing the same thing that Trump did a lot of times, which was he would he would not really say something directly, but he would allude to it, right? Um, to give an example is whenever um, people showed up with Nazi flags and he said both sides were, were wrong, right? Shit like that. And so he's technically not committing to either side, but he's given equal weight to something that is negative and han- uh, harmful. And so as, and, and now I'm going to get into more specifics, which is as, is as Joe Rogan and Dave Chappelle get into these topics that are controversial, they're doing, I see them doing the same thing. They are not really committing to it because if you look at uh, Dave Chappelle's show, Controversial, I just saw a clip, uh, and, and I, I mean to watch the whole thing, but he's sort of saying, if you look at my work, I am consistently said the same thing, or consistently said certain things and consistently not said these things, right? And, you know, and, and this is where he talks about, oh, now they're changing the rules on me, right? But 
the thing is, is, you know, it just made me think that it's like, okay, so they're skirting these controversial issues and not committing to either side. See, the problem with that is that for the people who are extreme, right, and um, in the negative way that, um, how do I say this? People that are in the extremes, right, with, with ideas that are not good for society, they're not good for uh, communities, well, they'll use a comedian's thought process in an in, argument to justify something very negative, right? So in, in, the, in the mind of the comedian, it might just be, you know, to make people laugh, right? Say something or to shock people or to get people's attention. Now, once you get people's attention, now you can talk about the issues that are important to you. But the problem with that is that in, in that process, especially in a hyper-connected world that we live in right, right now, um, people piece together an argument that convinces a lot of people a lot of young people a lot of times to join uh, a movement that is negative. So the argument that this is just art, no. Uh, that argument might have been somewhat accurate you know, 20 or 30 years ago where there wasn't the hyper connectivity that we exist in right now. But you know, as you see, as you say, things change. And the way in which people communicate and actually, more, much more importantly, the way that people come to decide what they believe in or not are way, way faster. And whenever you join into the chorus of um, people who want to hurt other people just because they're different, then... Um, then you, you don't get to, to call it art. All right, and that's all that I'm going to say about that particular thing right now. And, and the reason I mention it is because it's, it's, uh, it seems to be everywhere. A lot of people are talking about it. Uh, it's getting a lot of uh, news coverage. And, um, and it's something that affects the... Uh, communities uh, that are very diverse, like the hospitality community. And speaking of hospitality and celebrities, uh, John Taffer is a fucking clown. All right, let's start with that. So a while back, a few weeks ago, maybe a month and a half ago, he was on Fox News talking to that crazy lady. Um, and he made a comment that... Um, didn't stir up enough controversy in my opinion because he said that you know a friend of his trains uh, dogs and that he says that a uh, hungry dog is an obedient dog and that's why they feed them only once a day and this is in the context of having a conversation about the labor force in general and because he is, you know, supposedly in the hospitality beverage side of things, then he's representing 
that labor force or if he's commenting is about that labor force and um and that is a point of view that too many business owners have about the labor force in my opinion that's the reason why they're leaving actually in a lot of people's opinion um that's why people are leaving those jobs i don't know anybody that is not working all i know is working class people and there isn't a single person that i know that is not working now how is it possible that they keep saying that people don't want to work and they're just being lazy right they're just staying at home watching tv that's bullshit the reality is that these people are reaching out uh, and doing some gig work or taking an online course and something they already were probably working on before the pandemic and now they were able to put more time on it but the thing is is they don't want to work for pl places that have a culture where they think that the labor force the people that are there show up every day to do the job um are just lazy right I think that that is a very old pre-COVID um, point of view. And because of that, for managers, owners that are listening, the people that are going to move ahead, move forward in this industry, because it has quite the attrition rate, are the people that are going to adapt and adjust. And that is treating your labor force like they're fucking human beings like they deserve time off like they deserve a vacation because i don't know if other industries have this i imagine they do i mean it's the american culture but you know whenever they call you in for a shift on your day off after you've put in however many crazy hours it's it's almost like disrespectful right because it's like, you know, once you hire another person, one, one more person, obviously you're short staffed, right? But shouldn't I have time off to enjoy with people I want to enjoy it with? And the problem is, is that you say, yeah, but you make more money, right? There's more money, more money, more money. That's the whole thing that we've been on for so long. But then you don't get any time to spend that time, that, that, that newly created extra resources with the people that you that you love you know that your family people you want to hang out with so what's the point in reality i think that this is what's happened with the labor force let me give you a big picture of it so in the 90s the labor force was pretty much trained by by the two major restaurant groups here in, in, in Houston. And they were Landry's and Papa's. And if you worked for Papa's and you got hired somewhere, they knew that you really knew the specifics of a menu. Usually that's how you studied it because you had to take a test before you train and after you train, whenever you were at uh, Papa's, and you had to do a 95%. That's what your, your test result had to be at least. If not, then you would go home. If it was at the beginning of the shift, you would go home, come back in the evenings, take the same test again, see if you pass it, and you get two, maybe three chances if they liked you, 
right? If you show someone that was like, had great personality for the job. And so obviously they were, they were very academic in the way they approached it. So that they had a lot of students that worked there. And then Landry's, Landry's was a place that they just really knew how to mentor, I would imagine, because a lot of those waiters were very good at handling, handling a lot of volume. They didn't make a lot of mistakes, especially when they were busy. They were very good at handling that, that stress. And so all the other smaller places would have two weeks of training, but it was mostly onboarding you and kind of give you uh, a very basic um, uh, understanding of what the job of wedding tables or bartending or whatever it was. I think that in the mid-2000s, with the rise of the chef-driven restaurants, a lot of those chefs started to pull a lot of talent that had been trained by Papas and Landry's, had some experience, and didn't need a whole lot of training. Especially to work in a small um, chef-driven restaurant that you would have 50, 60 seats, you know, that, that's not a lot. And... Uh, you three days and you go into these places and you know if you have what it takes then uh, then uh, you got the job but a lot of the smaller places also started to drop their training programs to save money right because they were also sort of uh, benefiting from this era if you will of places that were training their staff so there was a lot of the labor force was well trained all right, that was about 15 years ago, 10, so about the 10, 15 years, the last 10 to 15 years, there hasn't been, most places don't have any real training, about three days and, and you're done, right? Some of them have the two weeks, but to a degree. And all of a sudden you lose, what, 10, 20, 30% of the uh, labor force for this industry probably are gone and not coming back. Because they're already, some of them were already planning on leaving the industry, and again, COVID uh, sped it up. Uh, other people realized that working so hard to make that money and not know the, your family uh, or not know what it feels to rest, um, man, that's not something you want to do anymore, right? You're making some life changes. And between that and other people that were just really talented at, uh, at almost anything and uh, they went to other industries is going well or better and uh, they don't intend to, to come back. Not, not for, for the old industry that, that we had where there's a lot of, uh, a lot of bullshit. So here we are in 2021 with an industry that has no culture of training its staff of um, a labor force that suddenly shrunk and it shrunk at the top right because these people that left um, have been doing it for a long time and they were very talented and so what do you do right the most talented people in the industry good percentage of them are gone as well as people that fill in the blanks and now everyone is complaining that th there's a shortage nobody wants to work 
right? Well, let me take you to another reason. I think the entire labor force um, shrinkage right now is what I've talked about. I think that's happening in a lot of different industries. But the one thing I haven't heard anyone talk about is the effects of losing, I don't know where, I think we hit 700,000 people from COVID. So 700,000 people, uh, this is a country, I think our population is 325, million. Okay, 700,000 families have been affected by this, right? And if you're someone who has, then you know what I'm saying. And there's 700,000 other families that are friends of that person, right? That are also affected by it. So you got a couple of million people directly connected to every single death from COVID. And watching the debate that has been going on, which is really dumb because you should follow science, um, seems to make them not be a part of that, right? Because, I mean, if someone died at work, you know, from COVID, someone at work, you know, you have, we're working through 2020 and the boss really doesn't care about any other rules with, you know, mask and and, and distance that you should do just to keep each other safe. Well, if, you, if that place loses someone from COVID, what do you think is going to happen? I think some people are not going to give a shit, but I think that there are going to be a lot more people that are going to care and are going to think a lot harder about it showing up to work. So there might be some of that too. I don't know. But I think that 700,000 families plus friends affected directly by COVID-19 I don't think that's a that's a small ripple somebody you know maybe lost someone to COVID be mindful of that when you express your views about the pandemic okay let's talk about Latin Heritage Month or Hispanic Heritage Month. This is something that has been going on for since like the 70s and um, started off being two weeks and then turned into a month. And so there are really some really good uh, outlets um, or channels uh, like um, Latino USA as well as Pulso. Um, if you look them up, uh, uh, they have pod, their podcast, but also their Instagram. They usually post uh, on a year, year-round basis issues that pertain to the Latino community, and also some history. But overall, most people don't have don't don't consume from those channels, and it gets me to think whenever I really look at what's happening out there in the, in the conversation, the national conversation about culture and society and whatnot, a lot of it is uh, centered around the black white dynamic. And because Latinos are black and are white, um, we get lost in that mix. The thing too, is that all of us in the middle, all the Brown people, um, we get overlooked because in media we are either 
you know, light-skinned black that speaks Spanish or we the, you know, green-eyed, light-skinned, black-haired person that also speaks Spanish, right? That's how you know that we're Latino. But it's it's everyone else in the middle that has either more indigenous look to whatever region because indigenous in Chile versus indigenous in in uh, Mexico or the Caribbean um, different similar but different but anyways all of us in in the middle the brown people and yes we say white black and brown um, Asian also our brothers out there but uh, anyways the look that people have is either or and the only way to identify them is usually by giving them an accent but first let's talk about the the everyone in the middle um there's too much the, the media really doesn't represent us um there is not a, enough of us out there i think there's like five percent within tv and uh and in movies and frankly there's like one percent politically uh that that we're represented so in other words in, in within the political spectrum one percent of latinos uh are in those rooms elected uh officials and within and when it comes to movies and and tv shows where five percent of the representations only five percent of characters out out there are real latinos even if the actor is and if they speak the the good english as they would probably refer to it um then they just play whatever character their skin color allows him to which is bullshit pure bullshit by the way this podcast is brought to you by the power of bustelo coffee of latin america and also uh la quintana very delicious uh red river red vermouth uh of course they're not sponsors at all they don't even know i exist um but uh Figured I'd give them a shot. Uh, all you bar folks, um, if you've never had La Quintana, it's uh, L-A, La, and then Quintana is Q-U-I-N-T-I-N-Y-E, I think, or E-Y, something like that. Uh, quite delicious. You should try it. Um, French vermouth, rouge, meaning red, and um, man, beautiful, deep. Uh, dried fruit flavors reminiscent of like a Pedro Jimenez not quite that far but it's really in the background very deep on the rocks definitely one way to go they even use non-latinos for white characters that are supposed to be and not even actually no any character better call Saul for instance let's, let's take that as an example love the show and there's uh, Gus Fring, um, dark-skinned Latino-looking guy, but he's actually Italian. There is, I can't remember the older man's name, but if you ever watch the show, he's, uh, oh, if you ever watch Breaking Bad, he's the one in the wheelchair with the, with the fucking bell, right? Same thing, Italian guy uh, playing Latino. And the reason we know as an audience that they're Latino is not because of their skin color or their hair color or, or any of that. It's because they speak with an accent. And not like a, a, a New York accent, <laughs> you know, where so many Boricuas are or, you know, East L.A. Well, sometimes, yeah, East L.A. But, you know, it's, it's like an accent like they can't speak English uh, fluently or without an accent. And sometimes 
okay when depending on when they came to the country um sure no problem you know depending on the age of, of the of the character but it's always even when it's a young character they have an accent as if we can't speak english clearly fluently without an accent and then the other thing is the people that are playing these characters don't even speak spanish so whenever the character has to speak spanish is it the, the most gringo spanish you can imagine right as 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 you know pure as you can as white bread as you can imagine uh or have ever heard someone speak so now they can't e speak english and they can't speak spanish correctly i mean the fuck up you think we're fucking morons or something that's the problem i have with this idea that we don't need to get involved in politics or in culture or in 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 any of these controversies and arguments that are happening in society because one or the other side are having it you know you, you talk about non-monolithic uh culture and group of people the latinos right um and and yet you know we're third of the population and and we consume plenty right um we're not a population that that doesn't move the needle we do but i think that the way that um we the way that they see us, the powers that be, right, um, is that uh, we're so loyal that even when they do fucked up shit, we're not doing anything about it. Basically, they think of us as obedient. Now, you want to see a, a good representation of a Latino in TV? <laughs> Better call Saul. Lalo Salamanca. That guy, it's like that. If for, for those of us that grew up in the culture, the Latino culture, um, that's very familiar. The other two guys, not so much. The, the 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 other two characters, not not very Latino. Lalo Salamanca, now that dude, you can tell he's Latino. And so, in talking about culture, I did a, a, an episode about this. Maybe this time last year, I think it was. And uh, I put it out. I, I, I think I addressed the, the whole thing about like Latinx, uh, not understanding it, which, you know, now I understand why, you know, it just don't have to. Yeah. Latinx. If you don't know, it means that you replace the the last, you know, the O or the A. Uh, depending on who you're talking to. So you're just being more inclusive instead of having, which I kind of like, because whenever I have to write like Latino slash Latina, or, you know, it's, it's the same as saying, you know, Latino slash A, right? There's one way to abbreviate the two. Well, now you say Latinx. It includes the two, because, you know, I may not know who I'm talking to. I don't know who's listening right now. It may be Latina, it may be a Latino. So if I just say Latinx, I include the two of you. You two are sitting by each other, next to each other. Side by side, right? If I say Latino, then, you know, I separate it from the Latina. And if I say Latina, then I separate them from... You get what I'm saying. But 
so that's the Latino Latina. And I got challenged. I don't know. I got I got I got a really good question, but I, I feel like I got challenged on and the other idea that I talked about, which was that of uh, who's a real Latino and who's not, right? Because I'm saying, you know, I was saying that you know just because you eat plantains and 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 drink bustelo, right? That doesn't make you uh, Latino. You know, you eat rice and beans every once in a while. And what I really what, what I really was referring to, and I also made the comment about someone who doesn't speak Spanish and just eats the food every once in a while, and they just call themselves Latino or Latina whenever it's it's the cool thing to do. And that was what I was really getting at. The fact that that some people did not grow up in the culture, right? They may have the last name and they pose, right? Because most of the time they're whoever they are, fucking Ted Cruz, right? Shitty example, but all right, not Ted Cruz, uh, you know, Daniel Flores, right? And Daniel Flores is just whatever goofy guy he is all the time. But then all of a sudden, he's around some Latinos. He's like, oh, yeah, man, I'm Latino too. My, you know, you start, oh, where'd you, where you grew up? And, or, you know, how long have you been here? Or, you know, you speak to them in Spanish or anything like that. They're like, they don't know anything about it. Or you make a reference to, you know, chancletas. And they don't know what that means either. So you, you're not a, a, of the culture. Now, you can get in touch with your roots and all that kind of good stuff but that that doesn't but you're presenting yourself as someone who did this right but you didn't do it and that's really what my thing is because i i feel like culture is made up by music food and language right and i don't mean um like what language you speak uh, I'm talking about the lexicon that is used in, in different in different neighborhoods and in, in different communities, right? And when you grow up in that community, I mean, I got family that don't speak Spanish, but you know, you know they're Puerto Rican the minute they open their mouth, you know, because they express themselves a certain way. Because you know, there's a there's a certain commitment to certain ideas depending on what community and culture you're from. And that's really what, what I what I refer to. I think that there are people like Ted Cruz and, and the dickhead in Florida, forget his name, but, you know, that have this Latino name, but they have no Latino interest, right? And that is not something that we should take lightly, especially given the fact that we are a very, very diverse community. Uh, too diverse, if you, if you ask me, but hey... Um, because you know there are people here that in our community that come from extremes right if you know you come from central america that's you may have you or your family may have experienced the wars that happened there if you're from argentina or chile you may have experienced or remember or know family that experienced the dictatorships there um if you're from venezuela then you feel like socialism just tore everything apart it was a dream um so they're very very diverse political views um and then if you're you know from mexico or or whatnot there's religious views too right that come along with that um and those two right there pretty much shape your economic views unless you start with the economics then it shapes your religion and government point being that there are a lot of different uh 
types of Latinos, right? And I think that one of the worst things that the last generation taught uh, my generation and the current one, which not so much. Uh, I think the, the, the young ones get it. But to my generation was, no te metas en lo que no te importa, right? Don't, don't, don't mind your own business. Don't put your nose where it doesn't belong. And that was pretty much to stay away from everything. And a lot of times that was from people who had either witnessed or people who had... Um, Talk, you know, known, found out about the way that dictators work in Latin America, which is like if you said something in, in Spain for that matter. I mean, there's the case of Lorca, but point is that if you spoke poorly about the government, then one day you might disappear. And, you know, if you look, you look at for the Los de, uh, Desaparecidos, the disappeared <clears throat> from uh, is a group of people from Latin America not a group of people but victims that are people who spoke against dictatorships in, in Latin America and, and disappeared never to be seen or known about and uh, and so those people obviously were trying to protect us but in protecting us they also put us in a place to where we essentially live and experience a second class citizenship because we're not considered in so much Actually, I shouldn't say we're not considered, but we're not in the rooms where the conversations that affect us are in. And so, by not being in the room, by not being at the table, then our points of views aren't even really truly known. So we got to get involved. And again, if you haven't seen it, you should, you know, better call Saul and look at, look, hell, you can go on YouTube and just... Uh, look up uh, Lalo Salamanca and um, you'll see a real Latino character so just the same and compare that character to the other characters on on the show um, and you'll see the stark difference between what they think or who we who they think we are and who we really are all right so i'm gonna give a real big shout out to the person that made me think about this uh question uh within the the show of what i'm doing here right and that's uh tara um fogner from uh, thirsty magazine um she took a position within my statements about Latinidad um, that was not what I was expecting or not what I uh, had attended, right? And and that position was that uh, just because a person doesn't speak Spanish um, doesn't make them less of a Latino. And I guess that wasn't clear whenever I recorded and said what I said, right, on the podcast. Because to me, it's... I understand that uh, for people who uh, grew up and, and live in, in a different country, in this case in the United States, right, you don't necessarily always learn uh, the language of your parents. And sometimes because your parents don't want you to because that makes you a second-class citizen. And other times it's because you don't want to because I also know people who whose parents speak Spanish to them and they refuse to speak Spanish to their parents. Right. Two different things. Uh, 
And what I'm getting at, what I was getting at with it was the fact that there are people who perpetrate, right? So they're faking it. They just, it's cool to be Latino right now. So they're Latino. If it's not cool, then they don't have to be. And, and there's a big difference uh, between those people who are uh, part of the culture and who care about the issues of the people and the culture and the community um, between the ones that just want to piggyback on the community whenever it's convenient and uh, uh, helps their micro mini uh, status within their friends and whatever follows. But you, you get what I'm saying here. The, there's a big difference between people who just think it's cool to be somebody right now and then if they don't have to be then they don't um but the reality is that food music and cult and, and language uh and customs are are what culture really truly is so what was that question that i was trying to answer and inadvertently it was that of what happens when I assume that you, the audience, knows what I'm talking about. And I mean that in the sense of context, right? What happens when you understand the context in which I'm saying certain things? And I think that is very important, right? Again, right now, right now, right now, right? In society. The reality is that we have a lot more information now than we did 20 years ago not necessarily just uh, information that is out there right and available although that is true is that it's so much easier to access right because you could always go to the library you could always go to uh, national archives like there was all these institutions where you could go and get information but the difference is that now you have access to it any time of the day. As long as you have an internet connection that can connect you to, uh, you know, through your smartphone or whatever, into these archives or libraries, then you can access that information. And that is scary because not everyone understands that. And whenever more people put bad information out there, it gets a little difficult and confusing to cipher through all of that. So again, what is it that I am assuming? I am assuming that you understand that I don't know everything and that I am sharing a point of view for you to think about. And it doesn't have to be heavy all the time, but at least, you know, some things to consider. You know, there is a, again, there's, there's so much coming at us that we feel like, uh, um, it's almost like Gatorade, what we're dealing with right now. Gatorade is, is sugar and Gatorade is pretty much processed, right? It's glucose, the sucrose. You don't even have to, your body doesn't have to do, spend any energy in uh, accessing uh, or consuming that, that which you put in there. Uh, versus, you know, bread, let's say, complex carbohydrates or whatnot, where the body actually has to break it down and then go, well, that's how we consume information right now. There, we get these 700 word 
thousand word uh, documents that are headlines basically, and um, and and we we feel like we're informed because we've been we've been taught that that's all that you need. But there's a big difference whenever you read you know a seven hundred word uh, synopsis of a situation versus you read a full report of the situation. Makes a big difference. So, again, my intent in this podcast is to give you some context in what it is that I'm talking about. Um, most of it is centered around the hospitality industry, being Latino and um, in, in society. You know, what is happening happening to us in this uh, culture uh, of the United States. And, you know, the United States has a huge influence in the world. So this is a global uh, culture. Uh, that we're dealing with right now. I appreciate all of you tuning in once again um, to hear me rant about things that I believe in and, and think about. Um, I'd love to hear from you. You can uh, hit me up through social media uh, or through uh, the very app that you are uh, listening to. So give it a rating, give it a comment. Let me know what you think about these issues. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, and keep the conversation going.